Welcome to Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly, your host. This is the Michigan Business Network. Thanks so much for tuning into the pod. So much news lately has been diverted to the stock market, especially with what's going on with Twitter and Disney and the economy. And I thought maybe it'd be a good chance for us to talk with our stock market expert, and that's Doug Adler. Doug, how are you? Tony, fantastic. Tell me, from your perspective, where's the market standing right now? Lower than it was on Monday. That's a joke, of course. Yeah, I think the market's in a tough place. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the reason for that is there's just been really investors came to realize that they're in January, late December of 2021, that there's a confluence of negatives, Tony. So you know, what are those things? The things you talk about on the show, people read about. Inflation obviously is real. Interest rates are going up. Housing has gotten very expensive. You have the geopolitical conflict. These are things that the stock market wasn't dealing with a year ago. 2021, clear sailing. And then now we're running into some headwinds and we have stocks that came into the year, the market as a whole, and certainly many individual companies were just expensive from a valuation standpoint. And investors, no question, are adjusting their go-forward expectations. And you can see in terms of the market price, they're adjusting those expectations lower. So if I've learned anything from you, Doug, is that if you're going to get in the market, you have to be patient and you have to be in it for the long term. Looking at the market long term, where are investors? A really good question. So, and I think one of the I want to call it a myth. That's an overstatement. But I think one of the prevailing attitude that you said is that the stock market is a long-term vehicle. And that is absolutely true. But people take that, investors take that, a lot of advisors take it this way to say that, oh, well, then I'm just going to own whatever I own and I'm in it for the long term because the stock market goes up over long periods of time. That's true. But the other side of this, if you look back to 1925 and you come forward to today, the average bear market, when stocks go down, bear markets are defined as declines in excess of 20%, but the average is 38 and a half. So if you think about it, if you're in it for the long term, but every four or five years, you give back 40% of your investable net worth, your money you have in the market, you know, that doesn't feel so good. So sometimes it makes sense to play a little bit of defense. And what I mean by that is maybe in a climate like this, you, and this is not a recommendation because your listeners make their own decisions, talk to their own counsel, but maybe someone would reduce their exposure a little bit, have 10% less in stock than they normally do. Maybe they would want to own things like energy where we know there's been a lot of pricing pressure, but that's good for profitability for those companies. So there's just things to do, I think, even in rough times like this, just to dial back on the throttle a little bit and try to keep your capital largely intact. Doug, how do we in the media do when it comes to informing uh, the general public? And I don't mean that people do it for a living. I'm talking about the rest of us who don't. How good of a job do we do when it comes to covering the market and what it really means? Well, I think you could really even go back further and say, how do we do from an education system in this country teaching people about money? And the answer to that is crystal clear, right? Not very good. People just largely, and it doesn't matter what an education level is, you know, at least in my experience, 
people largely don't understand money. So that's kind of where we start. And then I think the media in general, there's exceptions. Of course, you do a great job being balanced with things, trying not to be uh, sensational with some of your comments. But, uh, you know, a lot of media wants to get your eyeballs to the screen. And so, you know, like today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 500 points. Well, if you were to open up an internet browser, you're going to see a headline that says, Dow plunged 515 points, right, to get you to read more. But if it is a long-term proposition, the stock market, and it certainly is, then should we be reacting day-to-day? Should we be on our apps looking at, oh, stocks are up, they're down, you know, et cetera? Because generally, when you look at this stuff, people don't make decisions on it for the long term when they have information. They make emotional decisions on the short term. And the data is crystal clear about that in behavioral finance is when you act on emotion, you almost always make a bad decision. So in that regard, I think the media maybe could do a little bit more on the other side, which is to talk about, hey, don't react. What's the economy doing overall? Stock market goes up over long periods of time, et cetera. I think you make a good point about education. No one taught me in school and unfortunately in my household how money works, how to pay a bill, how to open a bank account, how to balance your checkbook. No one really taught me about how the market works. I'm sure I had an econ class, but I don't think I was paying attention to really know, you know, how supply and demand works and how everything works. It seems like we need to do a better job in educating our kids. That's a really good point. And I tell you, Tony, you kind of just hit the nail on the head of the stock market. So, you know, what is this thing called the stock market? It has an esoteric vibe for people oftentimes, but it really goes back to the three words you said, which was supply and demand. The stock market is an auction house, right? The New York Stock Exchange, when you see stocks zigging and zagging all day, well, what's really happening underneath there is investors, buyers are bidding stocks up, sellers are bidding stocks down, and, you know, it's an auction house. And so when I talked about risk management, A minute ago, I didn't use that term risk management, but I said, hey, maybe you own some things that are a little more defensive, or maybe you sell a little bit of stock. If that's just not a recommendation again, but that's if someone is concerned or wants to be a little bit more guarded with their account values right now, because it is a supply and demand equation. And what that really means, if you use a football analogy, the defense is not on the field the entire game, nor is the offense, right? There's both sides. People tend to only play offense, meaning they invest in the stock market. They invest, they want their money to grow. Of course, that's the objective, but they're always playing offense. Sometimes storm clouds come in and you need to think about what's your strategy. I think this is really maybe the key takeaway to this kind of line of discussion we're having, Tony, is what are you going to do as an investor? What's your advisor going to recommend that you do when things go wrong? And things haven't gone horribly wrong right now, right? But they're not as good as they were. We're talking with Senior Vice President of Investments at Adler Wealth Management of Raymond James and Associates. Doug has more than 25 years of uh, industry experience. When we come back, we're going to get a little bit more specific and talk a little bit about uh, Twitter and Disney. You're listening to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. Like the equity in your home. 
That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking stock market, if you will. We're going to talk about the economy in a little bit here with Senior Vice President of Investments at Adler Wealth Management, Raymond James, Doug Adler. Doug, let's talk Twitter and what Elon Musk is trying to do. And let's talk about it from the aspect of putting together the money for this deal and what it means for the market. You know what I find most fascinating about this whole story? Not necessarily what he wants to do with Twitter, but the fact that he's able to liquidate and have enough money to really make this deal come off, should it come off? What's your take on it? And what's it mean to the market? Oh, and one more thing, Doug. I thought it was so interesting. This man speaks and stocks rise. That's got to make guys who own Twitter stock very happy. Well, you know, he's clearly one of the smartest guys on the planet, right? So when he speaks, you tend to listen. People listen to Einstein and they listen to Elon Musk. Yeah, and it is amazing, right? I mean, that kind of wealth that he could really step in. And if he wanted to self-fund this deal, meaning buy it with his own cash by selling some Tesla stock, and then he could just rotate it over. And then next thing you know, he owns Twitter. The stock was around 32 or so, Tony, when he started to kind of... Marcus started to vibe a little bit that he was doing some things with some of his posts on Twitter and maybe alluding to interest in the company. So it started to float higher, but from 32 to over 50 on the news, it's since pulled back a little bit, but it's still pretty sticky at $48 a share. I don't know that it means a lot for the market, but it's interesting to watch. Let's talk a little bit about Disney. I heard someone talking this morning about how the job of a CEO of a large company like that is to serve shareholders and to serve the board as opposed to getting involved in political issues. What's your take on this just from an invest standpoint and the money that's been lost when it comes to those shares? I'm whoever you were watching there, uh, 100% with them. You know, we're all human beings, so we have opinions about what's going on in the world or in the country, or specifically in this case with politics. But you're right. You know, if I own, and most everybody that's an investor in mutual funds probably has shares of Disney in their portfolio. And so as an investor, you know, most of us are investing for one simple reason, which is to grow our capital over time. We want our portfolio to get larger. And, you know, Disney is, they're not the only company that's, you know, guilty, if you will, of wading into discussions in this country. But I will tell you, I'm with that line of thinking, which is, hey, as a shareholder, I want the stock to go up. And when a company kind of, you know, wades in and large swath of the country now is going to be disgruntled with that opinion. That, at some level, and maybe a significant level, is going to impact the bottom line, ultimately. And as a shareholder, that's not a good thing. So I think companies ought to be agnostic about this stuff. Their job, in this case, they're an entertainment company. Entertain people. They've obviously historically been fantastic at that. That's their business. And um, 
you know, let the politicians and the public debate these issues and, you know, go run the company. Doug, I want to talk a little bit about Twitter before we move forward. And that's in regards to what Elon Musk is trying to do. Just from your perspective, what do you think the board is thinking here? Do you think they're thinking with their political minds or are they thinking with their pocketbooks when it comes to what Elon Musk has offered them? And if you will, talk a little bit about a hostile takeover and how that works. So, yeah, I think the company, now I'm a Musk fan because, you know, I happen to think brilliant people create great outcomes for at large, regardless of economic position, right? Bill Gates creates this business called Microsoft, and that's done a lot for most people on the planet. Apple with an iPhone, you know, transformative. So Steve Jobs. So, you know, I kind of like to look at these folks and say, you know, let them rip and let's see what they can create because they usually do great things for society as a whole in the end. Yeah, I think the board is scared of him. His impetus on this is really, it seems to be, if you read through, is kind of the whole free speech debate. And a lot of the polling is, you know, not to say the polling, but the actually the academic studies do talk about there's some bias in the media and he's kind of tired of that it seems and he's got the money to go in there and try to force some change and i think they're scared of that let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about hostile takeovers and how those work when we're talking about certain stocks i'm tony conley we're talking with doug adler who's a senior vice president of investments at adler wealth management of raymond james this is media business on the michigan business network hibernation is over the fairways have been cut the greens have been rolled are you ready for some golf we sure are with 81 holes of spectacular championship golf just waiting for you at treetops book now and for a limited time enjoy an overnight stay and unlimited golf starting at just 129 per person then top off your day with a relaxing massage in our spa followed by a succulent steak and choice of over 80 craft beers in our sports bar call 888 treetops visit treetops.com treetops michigan's most spectacular resort Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley talking with Doug Adler. And Doug, let's talk a little bit more about Twitter. How does it differ when you make an offer to buy a company like Elon Musk is trying to do and then maybe accepting it or wonder if they decline and you want to do a hostile takeover? How does that work? Yeah, so there's a few different ways, but generally what happens is in the case so this is unfolded in front of us, or at least so it seems. He's made an offer for the company. The company's board has decided they're not interested in that. So we're waiting to see what the next move is for Mr. Musk. Maybe this is gamesmanship, Tony, or maybe it's afoot already in terms of his planning. But a hostile takeover would be he would bypass the board, force a vote amongst shareholders, and really ultimately have the people that own the stock. And this, again, is anyone who has a position in Twitter, whether it's 100 shares or 100,000 shares, you get to vote those shares as to do you want the company to remain as it is run by the board or do you want a new owner, which in this case would be Mr. Musk. In following the story, I'm learning that there are a lot of boards of large companies where the board members don't have anything investment. They may not even own that stock. And 
yet they're making these decisions for all these shareholders. Yeah, so the board is tasked, and this kind of goes back to our discussion about Disney with respect to politics. You know, are they there to wade into the public debate on various issues, or are they there to run the company as profitably as they can, thereby driving the stock price higher over time, rewarding their shareholders? And it's kind of the same debate here. A board is charged with doing exactly that, making the company as successfully as they can. And like on any debate, right, there's going to be people on the board, and it would seem based on the board's actions, that at least the majority of the board is in favor of dismissing the offer and remaining an ongoing concern in the fashion that they've been. So for his part, Mr. Musk is considering that he might just bypass the board's opinion and force a vote amongst shareholders who could vote in his favor, which would change the dynamic. Because that's the thing with companies or publicly traded stocks, is they are owned by the shareholders. They're not owned by, quote, the company or the board. It's the shareholders. And the shareholders have an opportunity to vote for what they want. And he may ultimately force that. You know, it would be interesting to watch. Doug, are we in a recession? I don't think we're in a recession, but there's no doubt parts of the stock market are in a bear market, which is defined as a decline of 20% or more. And it's just not fly-by-night stocks that have gotten hit, Tony. It's pretty broad. Take an example, and this is a great company, Home Depot. The stock was over $420 a share early in the year, and today it's 300 that's a pretty big drop, or 305 today. It's been bouncing around 300. So there's a lot of high-quality companies that have come down. And then the second-tier, third-tier companies, and these would I'm just using second and third-tier, not to indicate their businesses aren't run well, but second and third-tier, meaning they're just not household names necessarily, or significantly large companies. But you know, let's use Zoom. Everyone's got acquainted with Zoom during COVID. Stock was $400 a share. Today, it's trading for 100 that's a 75% haircut in the stock. Yeah, that's a bear market. So we're in an interesting time because you have a lot of weakness in a lot of stocks. But when we all drive down the road, try to get a reservation at a restaurant, book an airfare, rent a place to Airbnb, whatever, it's busy. It's really busy. So the economy is kind of a bifurcated situation right now where on the one hand, the economy is clicking along well. On the other hand, stock market, not so much. So I think we'll have some clarity on all of this. And this is just a guess because timing in the investment world is always elusive. But probably as we roll into late May, June, maybe even July, I think we're going to have a better sense for what the balance of the year looks like. I will tell you on inflation, probably not a stretch to say that March of 2022 was the peak for inflation in this cycle. Now, that doesn't mean inflation is going away tomorrow. I don't think it is. But lumber has come down from March. The futures contract has come down about 35%. Copper has come down around 20 Freight rates, you know, to ship something, rates have come down in some cases pretty meaningfully. And this doesn't get a lot of traction in the media because it's just, you know, it's not a big thing, but it actually is pretty material. The tractor-trailer fleet, the semi-fleet in this country is at an all-time high. So the capacity to ship goods and services is robust. So now you have some prices starting to come down. I think the fact that the stock market has been weak, that interest rates are going up, you know, home mortgages in December, 3%, today 5 that is a significant shift and really has a material impact on housing affordability. and. 
you know, we like to talk about high prices are really the best way to get rid of high prices, which is to say that when things get too expensive, what do people do? They just say, mm, I'm going to make an economic decision and say, no, I'm not paying that price. It's just too high. And it looks like that's starting to happen now. So if we're lucky, things will come down, give the economy some more traction, more affordability in the back half of the year. And this is what the Fed Reserve is trying to kind of negotiate with monetary policy is they want to slow the economy so inflation starts to abate. But the needle they're trying to thread is they don't want to do too much so that we flip into a recession. So I think that's not a 2022 discussion, but it's definitely something that could be on the table. It's not a prediction, but something that could be on the table in 2023. We've been talking with Doug Adler, who's a senior vice president of investments at Adler Wealth Management of Raymond James. As always, Doug, I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you. Tony, my pleasure. Thank you, sir. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business, and this is also the Michigan Business Network.